Good morning. It's been a blessing to be here thus far. Thank you for each one who's had part. Definitely a blessing to be gathered here again this morning. I'd like to begin with a question this morning. It does not necessarily tie in with the message, but just a question to get our minds thinking. And the question is this, do people know the real you? Or we could ask it, do people truly know who you are? Thank you, Brother Good. Damien, for teaching our Sunday school lesson this morning, did a good job. Kind of tied in with this just a tad. The question could be asked then, how can they know? And for this answer, we're going to go directly to Jesus, which was in our, the verse I'm going to read was in our Sunday school lesson as the memory selection this morning. How can people know who you really are? And do people know who you truly are? And Jesus says this in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. And finish the verse. If you have love, one for another. Today is Valentine's Day, although it's not the only day of the year that we express our appreciation for others. It is a day we focus on expressing our love and devotion to very special people in our lives. And Jesus makes it clear in John 13, 35, that all men, everyone is going to know if we are his disciples. All men will truly know. Then Jesus narrows it down to one important ingredient in our walk of life, and that is simply by our love one for another. So I ask, do all people know that you are a child of God? Like I said, it is Valentine's Day. I do not have a Valentine's message per, uh, prepared this morning. We had a Sunday, uh, sweetheart banquet on Friday night. Uh, for those of you who were not there, you missed a good one. For those of you who were there, thank you for being there. Of, of all people that were there, there was one person that was very nervous. And if I would ask you to guess who it was, I don't think you could. So I'm going to tell you who was nervous there on Friday night. Our moderator. Who would have thought it? Zach did a good job. Title for the message this morning is Spiritual Blindness, the Cause and the Cure. A few months ago, while I was at work, I was asked, they said, Hey, Liam, do you want another vehicle? Um, I'm in sales, spent a good bit of time on the road, and I drive a company car. And they said, Do you want another one? So I asked a few questions and looked at a picture quickly and said, Yeah, yeah, sure. Basically, the exact same thing I had been driving, lower mileage, different color. Fast forward to the day it showed up, I moved my stuff from my previous sales vehicle into this one and headed out for a sales meeting. Went through the, went through the tool booth in, Mor in Morgantown and around the, the ramp to go head east on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I put my left turning signal on to merge into traffic and I looked in my mirror and I detected that I had a problem. Now there's a good possibility if you were driving this vehicle you would have thought everything was fine. But I detected what I like to call this morning as what I think is, is a major problem. And the big difference between the car I just moved out of, to the, there was a big difference, the one I moved out of to the one I was moving into. And the difference was a small thing that I call a blind spot mirror. And you're thinking, what's so big? What, why is that a major problem? Well, 
The previous car back that I was driving, I had purchased blind spot mirrors for that. I put them, stick them on my mirrors so I can, I can see to drive. But they don't work very well to peel them off and reuse them. So without a blind spot mirror, there could be a car traveling beside you that you simply cannot see. A standard mirror, which most of your cars have, if there's a car in the left lane and traveling back about 100 feet and you look in your standard mirror, you can pick it right out. But when that car comes up beside you, but not front far enough where you can see it by looking out the mirror, but just right to your left a little bit, that's a blind spot. And you cannot see that car. Sometimes if someone's passing you, just watch your mirror as they come up. And when they're way back, you'll see that car. Then all of a sudden they're going to disappear. Then they're going to reappear again. And that is the blind spot mirror. So I, I purchased these three-inch round mirrors, stick on the lower left-hand corner of each mirror. That way I can see to change lanes. And if you watch bigger trucks on the road, most, if not all, have a blind spot mirror. And theirs are pretty big. I've seen some that have two. They have one on their regular mirror. They have one up in front of their hood. And some have one right above their door. And I look at that as seeing knowing your surroundings is key and also so is safety. So I'm headed down the road and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just learn to drive this car without blind spot mirrors. All you have to do is every time you want to change lanes, look over your shoulder. No car there. That's fine. Then you pass. You want to get back over. No car there. And, and yeah, soon I'm thinking some neck issues and so on. <clears throat> Day two. I stopped at the auto parts store and I put blind spot mirrors on this car. And if you don't travel a lot, uh, you don't think about it, but I'm changing lanes constantly. And if, if you don't have a blind spot mirror, you cannot see that. A tip for you fathers who are having children that are going to start driving, I put blind spot mirrors on, uh, on the cars for my children to learn how to drive. Then you do that parallel park at the they back in. Instead of adjusting the mirror, they can just see exactly where they are at. Don't head out tomorrow and buy a bunch of these things, but they do help. As, they, as you travel. So physical sight was not the problem that I could not see that car beside me. There's just a small spot that a standard mirror is not going to reveal, and the blind spot solved that problem. So that's just a little detail on, on driving with blind spot mirrors. But what about spiritual blindness? Think about spiritual blindness. Can that be solved with a blind spot mirror? No, I don't, don't think so. Well, what is spiritual blindness? A person who is spiritually blind is one who is unable to see the truth, similar to being unable to see that car just uh, right beside you. A spiritual blind person uh, does not want to or simply refuses to believe in God. Does physical sight have any effect on spiritual blindness? No. They're not, the two are not tied together. And if you think about it, and spend some time meditating on the idea of, of spiritual blindness, it turns out that spiritual blindness is a choice. Because spiritual blindness is a term used for those who, who listened to the Word of God, those who have heard the truth, those who have been exposed to Scriptures, so they know what the Word says, but then they make a choice. I will not allow the Word of God to penetrate my heart and my life. Thus, spiritual blindness is what we find. When you read in the Gospels, you will quickly notice how most, not all, but most of the Jews completely rejected Jesus. The Jews simply could not see him as the Son of God. In their mind, Jesus was the carpenter's son. 
You go to John 10, you'll see how the Jews actually reached down and picked up rocks. And their intention was they're going to stone Jesus because he referred to the fact that he was the son of God. We're talking about they were blind. While the Savior was directly talking to them, they were blind uh, and refused to obey him. Why? I asked that question and I started doing some research. And I realized the Jews' rejection is, is a broad subject. So to narrow it down, the simple truth is Jesus is not part of Jewish theology. They just refuse to accept him. Sad. So sad. Spiritually blind. Try to make practical applications we go through this morning. So number one, I only have two points, the cause and the cure. So number, point number one, the cause of spiritual blindness. What do you think is the main cause for spiritual blindness? In, in his book, Jesus, Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Bruce, Mar Bruce Marchino wrote, and I quote, There are many who were blind 2,000 years ago. Many were crippled. Many whose sons and daughters and fathers and mothers were demon-possessed or dead or languished neck deep in the pits of the worst kind of poverty, yet would choose that blindness, that lameness, lameness and that death, rather than bend a single knee or shed a single tear in his presence. He goes on to say, you see, there's a blindness far worse than not being able to see. I'm reading this to get up to the answer of what is a main cause for spiritual blindness. And maybe you have the answer, but think about it. There's a paralysis far worse than legs that are bent and twisted. There's a death far beyond the tomb a demon possession far beyond its fits of lunacy, a poverty far more devastating than starvation. It's a disease that Jesus longed to heal and liberate his children from more than any other 2,000 years ago, more than any other today. It's the, fit, it's the, fit, the filth of filths and the hell of hells. It is pride, self-righteousness, self-justification, self-pursuit, and self-reliance. End quote. We talked a little bit this morning about the Pharisees in our Sunday school lesson. And they just couldn't see past the fact who Jesus was. And we're going to talk about the Pharisees a little bit later on here this morning as well. But how many times are we blinded by, according to the writing that I read there, self was, is the main cause for spiritual blindness. We get self in the way. And we can't see the, the real meaning or what Jesus has for us. Self gets in the way and self, what happens, it's going to shield or hinder our sight of the clear view of the master and thus causing spiritual blindness. Is it any wonder that Jesus told us, if any man will come after me, let him, step number one, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The desire to follow Jesus is truly commendable but it's knotted with the fact we need to get self out of the way if we want to truly and wholeheartedly follow Jesus Christ. Listen as I read, and you're going to hear me say me first two times. And it came to pass that as they went that way, a certain man said unto the Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let 
Me first, go bid them farewell which are at my house. And Jesus said unto them, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Twice we come up with me first. But Jesus did not approve of this thought. And his answer was that no man that has started and starts looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I was in Luke 9, in verse 61 says, and I repeat, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first. I will follow you, but let me first. Has been said to be one of the saddest statements found in the Bible. Because Jesus said what? If any man will come after me, what we need to do? We need to deny before we can follow him. Many, genuinely, I believe, want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but too many want to follow their personal preferences as well. So a disciple that starts out and then looks back is one with a divided heart, trying to feed self and also serve Jesus. And his place in the category, as Jesus says here, is simply not fit for the kingdom of God. More on the Pharisee. Jesus said unto them in Matthew 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Think about the Pharisees. They were so extremely careful of the outward purifications and ceremonies. But they were totally blind to the great necessity of the inward cleansing. And how does Jesus describe them? He says they are considered as hypocrites. True followers of Jesus Christ will not let anything hinder their spiritual sight, but we're going to press forward faithfully following the Master. For a few verses for our text this morning, turn to John chapter 9. John 9, 39 to 41. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see might not see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no more sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Jesus says, said, um, says that, they might, that they which see might not see, and that they which see might be made blind. What, what Jesus is referring to here? Physical sight or spiritual sight? Chapter 9 of John is um, the account of how Jesus gives sight to uh, the blind man, this man was physically blind, could not see. After Jesus healed him, he was asked by others, how did he receive his sight? And in verse 11, Jesus called, the man called Jesus, called him Jesus. He said, Jesus healed me. Then you look at verse 17, and notice the progress that we see here, the progression. He called Jesus a prophet. In verse 33, it goes to the point of calling him, he said, from God and implied to the Son of God in verse 35. And then in verse 38, he said he called him Lord. And we, what we see here is a man's progress from darkness to light, not only physically, but also spiritually. And then Jesus gets into a mission, his mission for coming to the earth. 
in verse 39, he came to judge the world. And this statement seemed to contradict John 3, 17, where Jesus said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And what we need to remember, note here, is Jesus, his primary purpose for coming to the earth was not to judge, but to save. He came to give sight to those who were blind, but wanted to see. And referring to the man who is seeking and searching for salvation. Jesus is able to bring light. He is able to remove hindrances from those who cannot see the truth. And he's able to provide sight. But it's possible only when the man truly desires to see things from a spiritual perspective. And turns to Jesus Christ for his assistance. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself for the final point, but Jesus, as we're going to see just shortly, is the cure for spiritual blindness. Following self is living in darkness. Self is going to blind us from the truth and shield us from the true light. Yes, Jesus came to save. He came to give sight. And there is a a uh, promise of a blessing in that part of the verse. But the end of verse 39, he says, the, he says, those who see might become blind. And it seems a little confusing. First he said, those who see not might see. So he's coming to open our eyes. Then he said, those which see might be made blind. So how is Jesus going to judge this second part, the people in the second part of verse 39? It's, he talked about people who claim to have spiritual sight that is apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Some view the help of Jesus as, as needless. Why? For they think they see and know enough already. We see the blindness starting to come out here. This group will remain in darkness, and their sin and consequent punishment will be greater than if Christ had never come. Matthew 6.23, If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If this person has an evil eye, darkness is going to take over. And if the light that this man actually had is dark or evil, imagine the state of this man. And we see there a clear picture of spiritual darkness, which is spiritual pride, which is salvation based on self and works. I can do this on my own. And when that happens, what do we do? We set apart, set aside the work of Christ on the cross. So Jesus is referring to those who are trying to earn their salvation on their own strength. And in reality, they're opposing and rejecting Jesus Christ as a Savior. So what did Jesus tell us in John 14, 6? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then he said some very prof- he makes a very profound statement. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus makes it very clear. We are not saved on our own strength. There is nothing that we of ourselves can do to earn salvation. We need to go to him. No man will step around the Lord Jesus Christ and walk to God and be accepted. No man's going to sidestep Jesus Christ and head to the Father and find acceptance. Jesus said, no man will do that. Those who reject Jesus' peace will receive his punishment. Those who reject his grace will receive his wrath. Those who reject his forgiveness will receive his judgment. 
So the Pharisees were standing there, and they heard Jesus say this. And then they said to Jesus, are we blind also? And what happened, they expected to be exempt from this judgment. Yes, they were opposing Jesus, so they expect him to say that they're, they're blind. But Jesus shocked them. He said their blindness was an excuse. If they had been blind, they would have been excused, for they would have been acting in ignorance, not knowing what they actually were doing. But think about the Pharisees. They knew the law of God. The Pharisees knew right from wrong. But they claimed, and they claimed they could see. But could they? They did not even recognize Jesus as the Son of God. And they were guilty and judged, as we see here, as being blind. They were blinded by their pride, not their ignorance. Because they knew what they were doing. They were well aware and well learned people. By choice, we come back to that, they didn't understand, preferring their, uh, preferring the darkness of their own self-interest into the light of Christ. I'd rather stay here in my own self-interest than to become enlightened by the light of Christ. If their eyes would have been truly opened, what would they have done? The same as we see in verse 38, where the blind man fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. They would have followed his example. Another quote from that book. Uh, Jesus, today, uh, yesterday, today, and forever, he says, and I quote, If anyone should have recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, it was the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They fought Jesus tooth and nail and stood as his enemy every step of the way. They studied scriptures like no one else. They lived it and breathed it. So picture the Pharisees watching Jesus ride a donkey and the people hailing him as king, just like the scriptures say. And they missed it. There was Jesus standing in front of them in human form, in human flesh, and they missed it. He was there in the dirt with the poor and needy, and they missed it. There he was, exploding with the Spirit of God, opening the eyes of the blind, lifting the dead from their graves, begging them with tears and confrontation to turn from their petty displays, to dive to the knees and from the bottom of their hearts to crave authentic righteousness, Kingdom faithfulness and praise that comes from God, not man. But they missed it. Heartbreak, heartbreak of heartbreaks. They opted for stubborn pride despite of the obvious, and they missed it and missed it and kept right on missing it. Why? We could ask why. Because Jesus was not who they wanted him to be. They were looking for splendor, worldly riches, earthly thrones, politics, rules, and regulations, and this was not who our Jesus is, but he is so much more. And that brings me to my second point, the cure for spiritual blindness. As I mentioned before, Jesus is the cure for spiritual blindness, and he makes it so clear. This is not a secret. He makes it clear in John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Spiritual, dark, spiritual blindness is walking in darkness. But along comes Jesus, the light of the world. And one thing that we need, there's many things, but one thing I'm going to point out that we need to be aware of, as man, we have a great need. As man, we have a great need. Some people may not be aware of it. Others refuse to admit it. But there still is a need for man. As man, we are in darkness. And the great need is for man to follow the light of the world, which is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. When we follow our, our Lord, there will be no blind spots. 
for we will be able to see clearly. No blind spots. He's going to take care of that. Jesus, the light, tells us that he is holy, righteous, and pure. That's who we're to follow. That's who we're to become like. He is our example. Light is a symbol of purity and holiness, and that is Jesus. Light means the absence of darkness and blindness. It has no spots of darkness or blackness, no sin and no shame. Are we walking in the light or are we groping about in spiritual darkness? Jesus, the light, reveals. His light clearly shows the nature, the meaning, the destiny of all things. His light shines in. His light spots. His light opens up. It identifies. It illuminates and shows things as they really are. We cannot hide from him, for he is the light. And his light shows us the truth about the world, about man, and about himself. Jesus, the light, he guides. He allows man to walk out of darkness. No longer we have to grope and grasp and stumble about trying to find our way through life. But we need to go to him. The path, when we do that, the path of life will be clearly seen, for he will be our guide. Jesus, the light, does away with darkness and chaos. He wipes away and erases the darkness. You see the answer for spiritual blindness? Jesus takes care of the darkness that people are in. And because of that, he can confidently promise that when we follow him, we too will be walking the light. On our part, it takes surrender. It requires the dedication. And commitment is a key ingredient that we can follow Christ. Remember, we left self back way, a long time ago when we said yes to Christ. Now we're no longer, we're not going to be looking back, for we are following the master. Excuse me, we're not going to be stumbling through life, but we're going to be clearly placing our feet in his footsteps and walking on the well-lit path. Darkness refers to the world of the natural man who does not know Christ or refuses to accept him. The natural man walks in ignorance of Jesus Christ, stumbling and searching about in the world. His only hope is the hope of living life before death overtakes him, so different from those who are walking the light. This man walks in darkness, ignorant of the real life here, now and hereafter, but it's not the case for those who are following Jesus Christ. And Jesus makes a startling statement there in, in John 8. I repeat, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And what he says here, we're either walking in darkness, stumbling and staggering about in a lost state of blindness, or we're walking in the light with Jesus, the light of the world. And one day at a time until we meet him face to face. I ask this, what is Jesus to you this morning? Is he worth following? Or does self rise up and we say, I'm not quite ready. Where are we at? Is there anything that Jesus cannot do that makes us say, well, I'll wait till he's available to do that. Then I'll, I'll make my decision. Well, he, can do, he can do everything. What is Jesus to you? When somebody mentions the word Jesus, the name Jesus, what does that mean? And I know I quoted this book twice. Allow me to do it one more time. How does one describe one who was utterly indescribable? Is there a word that means joy but is beyond incomprehensive joy? 
a word that encompasses the, en- the thunder of every waterfall, the dance of every brook, the laughter of every baby in the nestle of daddy's arms. Is there a word that means passion, a word that gathers every roar of every lion and the blast of every volcano and the peal and crash of every wave that ever exploded against the seashore? Is there a word that means intimacy and warmth, a word that bottles the softness of every sunrise, the promise of every rainbow, the twinkle of every star, the tiptoe of every, do- every doe and fawn between every farce autumn leaves? Is there a word that means love, a word that means kindness, a word that means power, bigness, humility, purity? He's writing, I'm quoting, I know only of such one, one such word. It is the most awe-inspiring, breath-stealing, clearly magnificent word that this language or any other. Ironically, it's in mere five letters, yet it carries a truth and a meaning so big, so life-changing, so nation and eternity-altering, if only given the chance. I'm going to pause there just for a second. I think you know where I'm getting at. If only we could give this a chance. And I, we have, but this is what our world needs. It is a, I continue. It is a word of words, the single word that every human life, right along with every human hope and struggle, is answered by and resolved in. It is the beginning and it is the end. It is the fullness of life, the gateway to eternity, the hope of all ages. It is Jesus. We all have goals. We all have things we need like to do. We all have plans for the week. We need to set some things aside. Just focus on what really is important. What is your perspective of Jesus Christ? I use that simple little blind spot mirror to help me navigate the highways in life. But when we consider a much more important journey, which is our spiritual journey, there is nothing on this earth that we can purchase that will help us reach our final destiny in a safe way. True, we're going to face trials. The evil one may attempt to blind us from the truth, but my friends, Jesus is the only way for a safe commute home to our Heavenly Father. He will light the path. He will show us the way. He will guide us through the trying times. He is there to remove the darkness, to reveal hidden sin, to remove the blind spots. He will keep us from stumbling and falling. And he will usher us in to the very presence of God. The promise and blessings that we look at this morning are for those who are willing to deny self, to take up the cross, and to follow him faithfully. May this be referring to you as well as to me. And there is a, a lot of verses we could look at on this subject, but I'm just going to close with one verse here from Ephesians 5.8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. And then the admonishment for all of us this morning is walk as children of light. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. We're just so thankful, Lord, that you are the light of the world. Thank you, Lord, that your light shines in and can reveal 
hidden problems, but you can cleanse us from within. And Lord, I trust that each soul here this morning is walking in your light. If there is one here this morning that is not, I pray for that soul. And I ask, Lord, that they can make it right before it is forever too late. Help us, Lord, not to be let self get in our way that will hinder us, our, our spiritual side of you. Help us, Lord, not to be walking in spiritual blindness. Lord, show us the blind spots in our lives that we need to work on, that we need to take care of, we need to repent of. And Lord, when that day comes, when you call us home, I pray, God, that we can be ready to meet you, that you can say, welcome home, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of the Lord. Forgive us where we have failed. Help us not to go through life carrying baggage, but to willing to open our lives to you, to repent and confess, and to walk in the light. We were sometimes in darkness, but now we are in the light of the Lord. May we each have a desire to walk as children of light. Thank you for each one here this morning. Help us, Lord, just to take these verses to heart and to walk with you, God, each and every day of the way. Thank you for what you have done for us, what you are doing, the change you are bringing to our lives. Help us, Lord, not to resist them or reject them, but to accept them from you. And Lord, may our lives be pure as we follow you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Song, please.